Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. I will talk to you about For there is nothing else. Some artists make a Hello folks, this is Albert Shivers. Welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. Before we get to the episode, just want to let you guys know four brand new of my large pieces of art will be at the Gamut Art Gallery from April 3rd to June 22nd. The opening is April 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. And um, if you can make it out, you can find all the information online at Gamut Art Gallery or on their Facebook page or Instagram page. On this episode today, I'm excited for this one. Luke and Andrew are back, along with my buddy Isaac, to talk classic comedy movies. Okay? We cover everything from Abbott and Costello to the Marx Brothers to new comedies compared to old comedies and how political correctness may be hurting comedy movies as we move forward. This was such a fun episode, I would say, of the Luke and Andrew episodes, and there's been a good bit. This one is my favorite, and that's no shame on the other ones. It's always great to have close friends on the podcast because I feel like the conversation just explodes. It flows, and it's, it's always so smooth, and I love having these guys on, and I think a comedy podcast is perfect. I don't know about you. Spring has been hitting me real weird this year, and there's a lot of weirdness in the air so enjoy this comedy podcast because not only do we talk about comedy but it gets funny at some moments i think anyway i hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks again for luke and andrew for coming on the show it was so much fun to sit down with my buddies and talk about stuff we're interested in enjoy all right folks it's another episode of the planet shivers podcast i am always albert shivers and we got Isaac here, and joining us today once again is the incomparable Luke and Andrew. Thank you guys for doing the show again. Of course, of course. Yeah. So today we are going to cover comedy films, and we're going to start out by comparing and contrasting c- contemporary comedy films with old comedy films, and I like to start off this conversation um I just seen a comedy I had not seen before um, with Isaac. We watched The Party with Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, yeah. And right. um, I had never seen it before. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, uh, that's one that uh, I haven't... Uh, I'm for, I haven't seen it, like, all the way through. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, from what I see, it's... I think it's, it's considered... Uh, uh, in high regard. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of if I've heard of it. Is that the one where he plays in, like a clumsy Indian actor? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I caught like the beginning of that once, but I didn't get to finish the entire film for whatever reason. But yeah, I, just, I would like to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It goes off the rails. I'll have to... Uh, that's another one I'll have to uh, find and watch all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to bring it back up towards the end as we go but um so in terms of old comedy or classic comedy for you guys um who do you who do you guys gravitate towards who comes to mind first uh, definitely Abbott and Costello and Laurel and Hardy because, oh, yeah. because we take after them um from the silent era there's definitely Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin um uh, I Patty Arbuckle yeah uh, 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 he and he uh, he he was a big influence too on uh, uh, 
Buster Keaton and, uh, and those Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, Charlie I, Chaplin. I think he, he basically trained them. Yeah, he mentored them. Yeah. Okay. And now Fatty Arbuckle, he had um, like towards the end of his career, didn't he have like a, a lot of like drama? Oh yeah, him? yeah. He had a bunch of lawsuits and yeah. Uh, I, I, I think. Uh, he, he was exonerated eventually with, because he was innocent, but by that point, the damage had already been done. It so he, damaged his reputation, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And, of course, you know, the Marx Brothers. The Marx Brothers, the Three Stooges. Three Stooges. Uh, all these guys that we really wish had worked together at some point, mm, but yeah, probably because uh, they were working for rival studios and what have you. It just exactly. didn't happen. And... and uh, uh, you know, we talk about women in comedy. We got to say Lucille Ball. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Who uh, was uh, a legend, you know, she and uh, um, uh, Desi Arnaz. Uh, yeah, they, mm-hmm. uh, they did uh, great work. She really kind of, you know, um, the great one, Jackie Gleason, you got to bring him up. Uh, 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 and, you know, all these, uh, you know, uh, all these teams, you know, they, you know, that, that's something that, you know, you don't really get to see nowadays. Uh, Every time you see, like, a buddy comedy movie these days, it's always, it's usually a one-off thing. Like, you rarely, right. the, I think, very sadly, the closest thing we have to a buddy comedy team this these days is... John C. Riley and Will Farrell, and yeah, I think yeah. I think every time they work together, it's one of their one of like the worst yeah, comedies. Yeah, like, yeah. like that new Sherlock movie that came yeah, out. I, last. I think I think it actually got taken out of theaters because people hated it so much. So much. Yeah, like it, it was like uh, the I, most walked out movie like of the year. Yeah. So what what do you guys feel from through your taste is the problem with those? Um, In terms I, of. Com- comparing it to what you what you like in comedy, because comedy is, is naturally it's very subjective. Yes, and we all have different tastes. So in, for for you guys, what is it about those newer? Well, it, since it is subjective, I can't speak for other people. But personally, I think I like I gravitate toward comedy that makes me feel smart when I get the joke. Okay. If, if I'm watching a joke and I think, oh, a two-year-old could have thought that up, then I'm probably not going to laugh at it. But if there is, if everything is carefully timed out and you don't quite see it coming, you know, and there's that element of surprise, even if, if it's a joke that you've heard before, but they manage to add just enough freshness to it in the delivery and the setup and everything, I think that makes it, that, that will help it get a laugh. Um, and just, and uh, I, I was thinking of an example of the Looney Tunes, mm. you would think you because they were mostly slapstick comedy. You would think that slapstick comedy would be the easiest comedy because it's just watching people get hurt with yeah. uh, with you know sound effects mm. accompaniment. But even the people who mastered the Looney Tunes had trouble getting the formula just right. Like Chuck Jones, who is one of the greatest Looney Tunes directors of all time, you know did you know hundreds of Looney Tune episodes where you know you laugh out loud even when you're watching the episodes. Even when you've seen them until you have them memorized backwards. Uh, on YouTube, a couple of weeks ago, I found a Looney Tune episode from like the early 80s that I'd never seen before. It's uh, bug, it's kind of like a riff on uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Bugs Bunny accidentally travels in time to King Arthur's Court, but it's, uh, I think, Daffy Duck is King Arthur. Uh, Yosemite Sam is Merlin, and, and, and one of the knights is Elmer Fudd. So, and it's, so again, it's Chuck Jones, it's Mel Blanc doing the voices, but it, I found it surprisingly flat. It's like, even though it's doing joke, it's doing all these jokes like you know, pe- like jousting contests and people yelling at each other and people falling into the water during you know the during the jousting contest and your thing. I should be laughing at, but somehow the the animation and the voice acting and in the directing it all seems lethargic and tired. It's just it just doesn't have the same energy and liveliness to it that the old stuff has. Like it feels like they're just repeating what they've done before, but not trying to liven it up and make it feel fresh in spite of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think so. Taking it back to modern stuff like you know Will Ferrell and John C. Riley when they do their jokes. They're, you know, just going from what I've seen from the previews, because I, I refuse to actually watch their movies together, because the previews kind of scare me away. Their jokes look like, 
I've seen that a million times. I don't think it take. I don't think it took more than a single brain cell to even think it up, <laughs> and so I feel insulted more than amused by it. Like you really couldn't put more effort into it. It's it. The same thing rule applies to comedy as drama. The more effort you put into it, the better it turns mm-hmm. out. So with that said, mm-hmm. not to like not to like keep throwing curveballs at you guys, but this is interesting <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, because like, there really is no right or wrong answer to any of this, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, so if we were to take, if we were to, if we were to like raise hell, and if we were to say, let's take John C. Riley and um, Will, Will, Will Farrell. Farrell, and compare and contrast them to Abbott and Costello. Mm-hmm. So just to get, like, to put them under this microscope, I'm not super familiar with Abbott and Costello. Okay, I'm more familiar with like Marx Brothers. Three Stooges growing up. So, for you guys who are big fans of, of Abbott and Costello, what is it that they have that works for you that is lacking with newer comedies, a newer comedy group? Like, what is it? Do you know, like, what that element is? Or is it just as easily unexplainable? Which is also completely understandable. Well, you know, it, it was a lot of it was, you know, uh, you know, they, like, those those teams, like, a lot of them were just, you know, everybody thinks, like, oh, Abbott and Costello were friends growing up, uh, or, you know, that they'd known each other were, were, uh, for years. They've got, they hooked up at, uh, they uh, decided to become a team at Burlesque. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they were an act uh, in a Burlesque show. Right. Yeah. And, um, and they hooked up by accident because... Yeah. Uh, Abbott was was an emergency replacement for the for the straight guy who was supposed to be working with uh, Costello, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they just had that natural chemistry. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I think uh, I think works so is and, uh, and timing. Right. T- timing I think is the the biggest thing. Uh, you know, because I'm not. You know, because you see other things that John C. Riley did, and he's a really great dramatic actor. You know, he's done m- movies with Martin Scorsese, Gangs of New York, Chicago, uh, The Perfect Storm, and Will Ferrell can do. Uh, you know, he was in Saturday Night Live for years, but uh, but you know, just once you know, uh, Abbott and Costello got together, they just mesh so mm-hmm. perfectly. You know. They knew each other's strengths and weaknesses, right. and you know they knew what each other could do, and they just flowed. Right. Uh, uh, and uh, they just went uh, 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 perfectly together. You know, they you know didn't have to you know depend on you know throwing up or you know t- uh, pee in your pants or so, or pop cultural references that would get very dated over time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, like you, you know, and none of their stuff. I wouldn't consider any of their stuff parody. Yeah, uh, you know, they're, uh, yeah, you know, they did, uh, you know, meet Frankenstein or meet the Invisible Man. But you know, they're always just, you know, you know, they didn't, you know, one of them didn't play Doctor Frankenstein and the other one play, right. uh, uh, yeah, Drag- I- Igor. I'm sorry, thinking young Frank. Mel Brooks. And you're right, because even though in a way they seem like parody, at the same time, they were still so, their films, the overall film was still so dignified that it still worked as a serious entry yeah, to, yeah. To, the, to the rest of the, you know, gotcha. the movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you take, uh, I mean, they're pretty much the, the, the comedy of that. I mean, if you took them out of uh, Frankenstein, I mean, it would be just another Frankenstein. Movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. and because you brought that, that made me think of another element, especially when it comes to parody. Respect. Respecting the source material. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein works because because of how well it feels like it still feels like a serious Frankenstein movie with Abbott and Costello in it. Yeah. Whereas with John C. Riley and Will Ferrell in that Sherlock movie. You know, it just feels like, oh, we're just going to take a whole bunch of modern jokes and put them in this... In, in Shakespearean... Uh, no, in, not, that, 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 Sherlock Holmes. In, in Sherlock Holmes, and just hope that it works. And it's like, none of these jokes feel like they have any relevance 
to the source right. material. So yeah. that there's that level, that respect is gone. So it doesn't feel like it would work as a serious Sherlock Holmes adaptation or as a comedy. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, to me, as we're talking about this, I'm like picking up two things. First of all, that it sounds as though the old comedies definitely had more room to breathe and more room to grow. So it didn't have the modern Hollywood breathing down its neck. Yeah, it was a little true, bit more yeah. free and easy. And you know, so we riled off a bunch of different comedy teams and comedians. And I think it also, like, you have to like someone to help to find them funny. Yes. So in other words, if I love Richard Pryor and you don't, you're gonna go in not 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 ready to laugh. Where I'm gonna be way more open. And I feel like Costello's, I mean Costello, Marx Brothers, Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, all the way back to Chaplin and Keaton. Like people liked them. Yes. They liked yeah. those characters. Yeah. They were. On some level or another, relatable, whether you felt it within you hmm. or you knew someone that reminded you of that. And it also, you know, like most of those guys came from, like you said, vaudeville and stage, mm-hmm. where there was not the safety net of, <laughs> yeah. of anything. Like to come from that live audience background, mm. and when you're feeling comedy like that mm-hmm. live, you know, it isn't a couple of key grips laughing. Yeah. It's an audience. It's an audience, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that had a lot to do with things. Like the Marx Brothers, um, later on when they switched to MGM, hmm. they would, the, their producer would bring them to theaters. And there would be a couple of scenes in each movie that they would work out on stage. Yeah. So, um, and one example, have you guys seen Day at the Races? Parts of it. Yeah. We're like, um, so there's the very popular scene where Chico has a peanut wagon. Okay. And Groucho's looking to bet on a horse, and Chico keeps selling him, like, all these books about which horses to bet on and which jockeys and all these things. And by the end of it, Groucho has this huge pile of books, and, he's, and he has no money left to bet. So that that um, that whole scene, they would before they filmed it, they would work it out on stage for in front of live audiences for a couple of months. They'd get the timing down, mm-hmm. and then they just then they just recreate it. They'd even keep the stage, just okay, cameras, yeah, and that would be it. So it, it the method. The methodology behind it was yeah. it seems like it was a little more thought out. Oh yeah, the effort. Yeah. So, and um, and again, you're just remain reminded me of something else when you talk about liking the guys. You know, I've recently watched some old comedies that are held in very high regard that I wasn't as impressed with. Um, you know, over Christmas vacation, I finally saw uh, National Lampoon's Animal House, which I had never seen, and I. You know, I know it's considered one of the best comedies of all time. I actually wasn't that impressed, mm. namely because I didn't find the main characters to be all that likable, so I wasn't really rooting for them or anything. Right. And another one, um, I finally, uh, shortly before the uh, theaters were cl- the cinemas were closed down again, I had the chance to finally see uh, the Blues Brothers, which was you know, shown for a one-day special oh, at, okay. at Cinemark, and. I did think it was pretty funny, but there was one scene in particular, and this again uh, ties into um, atmosphere and the overall film and how that can affect whether or not a joke within the two-hour runtime of a movie will work or fall flat. Uh, there's the scene where uh, Carrie Fisher's character finally catches up to them, and you know, and you know, and, and she's you know, yelling at uh, John Belushi's character for leaving her standing at the altar, and he's using every lie in the book. You know, well, I got a flat tire, and there was a traffic jam, and he's, and it's like, okay, the guy's obviously lying, but but then he kisses her and throws her on the ground, and then he and Dan Aykroyd run. It's yeah. like now, I mean, from a from an analytical non-comedic standpoint, you right. know. I'm thinking to myself, okay, 
I feel like there's a huge unanswered question here. Did he leave her standing at the altar because he's a jerk? Because if he did, then I don't want him... I'm not rooting for him anymore. I mean, I still want him to save the orphanage, but I don't want him to win. I want her to get him. Mm -hmm. If he left her at the altar because she was always crazy and, you know... And, and they explained that she was always crazy and he just didn't know how to break off the relationship safely and he just ran. That would be hilarious and I would you know, and I would be laughing at her all the more. But because Louis doesn't answer that question, it's like I, I, I don't feel the, I don't feel like laughing now because I, 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 I need more information here. So again, so atmosphere and effort and methodology, putting it all together, just, just how, how much it could affect one joke. Yeah. In the scheme of things, I just like to chime in with the Blues Brothers for like a second, um, and just there's a there's a little extra special reason why I'll I like that movie and, and will want to support it is John Lee Hooker and Cab Calloway, their inclusion, them putting those two guys in there, like Ray Charles, everybody knew, yeah. everybody knew Aretha, you know, but putting in those two guys who were of the older generation. Mm-hmm. most likely were either unknown or, in Camp Calloway's case, forgotten about other than many of the moocher. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate when a film or actors or comedians, any artist, yeah. is able to reach back and either help out or pay homage yeah. to who's come before. And I loved seeing Camp Calloway in that movie. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say. And, that. Yeah. and uh, with the... And I just want to chime in again about about the Blues Brothers as well. Uh, is why, uh, uh, because you know that you know watching that movie that the first time I saw it, you know, I I wasn't familiar with like blues music, like those yeah. type of songs. You know, uh, so that gave me appreciation for that type of music, and uh, you know just the fact you know you see these two guys, you know, Carrie Fisher blows up their building <laughs> yeah. and they just pick themselves up dust themselves off and right. just walk away yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they she shoots a bazooka at their uh, while they're all uh, in a fo- phone booth yeah it goes up in the air crashes and they say oh here uh, there's like ten dollars in change here <laughs> we're and, on a mission from God yeah some of the jokes really did land and I, I did think overall the movie was was pretty funny yeah. but there were some jokes that left me like eh, I feel like they, I feel like they missed an opportunity there yeah yeah uh, you know, and the fact that you never, you know, until, except for that one moment, uh, you know, where he's talking, doing all that stuff with Carrie Fisher, and that, that's the only time you see his eyes in the whole movie. And, you know, uh, and going back to National Lampoon's Animal House, yeah, you know, a lot of those guys are, uh, you know, uh, jerks, you know, they're, uh, but, you know, just, you know, John, uh, John Belushi's whole thing, like, going through a lunch line and just, you know, picking that, uh, you know, to the... Uh, tune of uh, uh, I uh, I don't know much about history, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it's like he's doing like a food ballet, <laughs> and then uh, and then the whole uh, uh, food fight, and you know the fact fact that he's he was probably next to Donald Sutherland, but, but you know from Saturday Night Live, he was probably uh, the biggest actor in that movie, and mm-hmm. he his dialogue is very minimal. Yeah. All right. So on the topic of National Lampoon's Animal House, let's go in this direction of, so that's probably the biggest um, movie in the National Lampoon's series. But National Lampoon's has continued to make movies. Yeah. Almost up to very recently. Mm. So modern comedies rely on a lot more I would say like cheaper quicker less fulfilling laughs mm-hmm. um, you know and it, it, it's you know involved into I don't know like was American American Pie wasn't a National Lampoon oh uh, no uh, probably the same style though probably. right that, yeah. that's kind of what I'm yeah. getting at here is, yeah, there is was this new that, style National Lampoon's Animal House there was Revenge of the Nerds right American Pie, uh, but uh, I, 
Um, the, the last National Lampoon's movie, uh, uh, they did National Lampoon's Van Wilder. I don't know if you... Uh, with I Ryan haven't, Reynolds. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. That was kind of, you know, before he did Deadpool and stuff. That mm-hmm. kind of, that was one of his first uh, driving, mm-hmm. uh, uh, leading roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, then there was uh, National Lampoon's Going the Distance. Uh, that was the last... That was the last I don't know, newer one that I remember seeing. Uh, was, uh, they, they did all the filming for that in Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, just as, as you guys were talking, I got all their films. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, it was far more here than I thought. <laughs> so, the original National Lampoon's Company. My rally's off like an auctioneer. <laughs> <laughs> You got Animal House, Class Reunion, Movie Madness, Vacation, European Vacation, and Christmas Vacation. Then they merged with another company, and you got, and every one of these start off with National Lampoons. Yeah. I'm just not putting that in. You got Loaded Weapon, Senior Trip, Vegas Vacation, Golf Punks, Van Wilder, Black Ball, and Jake's Booty Call. <laughs> Then, no, they're, they're just going to keep on going here. <laughs> then it changed National Lampoon, Inc. Ah. And we were given Gold Diggers, Dorm Days, Barely Legal, Going the Distance, The Almost Guys, Adam and Eve, Cattle Call, Quest for Festeroo, Pucked, The Rise of Taj, mm-hmm. Stone Age, Totally Baked, <laughs> Bag Boy, One Too Many, Robodoc, Transylvania, Endless Bummer, Cheerleaders Must Die, Dirty Movie, Frat Chance, <laughs> Dumbasses. <laughs> they, I laughed, but still. Um, yeah, well, that's, they, they go on, but yeah. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. They made a lot of movies. That's, yeah. that's the point. Um, so let's let's jump over to the Marx Brothers before we get too far. Um Thoughts. Well, <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, I'm not as versed with the Marx Brothers as you are. Although I have seen Night at the Opera and parts of their mm-hmm. other their other work, uh, I definitely think uh, they they definitely nailed uh, slapstick comedy and verbal comedy. I, I think they they pretty much had the book, you know, the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And also, Groucho Marx you know, in, in terms of wit and improvisation was like the Robin Williams of his time. Yeah. And he definitely pushed the envelope for political correctness. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this, I don't, he didn't do this in any movie, but he also hosted that show, uh, you, This Is Your Life. To or, Bet Your Life. To, 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 to Bet Your Life. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I've heard this story uh, from a friend, uh, Marty Courtney. Apparently there was a time he was hosting the show and he was interviewing a, guest who said he had like 12 children or something like that and the guy's like how'd you get that many kids and the guy's well my wife really loves me and and groucho replied well i really love my cigar but i take it out sometime right (laughs) and and because it was filmed live you know they couldn't edit it out so um yeah um i do think um but even you know even when he was pushing the envelope for political correctness you know he was still putting effort into it even when he when this stuff was flying off the cuff oh, yeah. you know, he you know, yeah. he wasn't just going for the cheap laugh he was like you know everybody else is thinking this I probably if right. I don't say it I'll look like an idiot yeah <laughs> and that you know like that game like that was just a game show yeah and it it was like it was just a stage for Groucho Marx yes because if you like if you watch it like they put out like a little DVD set mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of like the best episodes, and if you watch it, the game show itself yeah. um, is not only minimal but very simplistic. Yeah. Like you get paired up with a random person. Uh-huh. There's a couple of questions, and they get a little bit harder, and they're general knowledge questions: geography, film knowledge, pop culture of the time. Yeah. Very basic. Very mm-hmm. basic. And then, you know, you answer those, and, you know, the more you answer, the better you do. But it was such a small part. Like, you tuned in 
to just watch Groucho roast both of his guests. Yes. You know, whether it was, you know, a guy with like a funny a funny situation or a pretty girl that they throw on there and have Groucho, you know, flirt with. And that was it. And as the show went on, the producers would just try to find more outlandish people to just throw at Groucho and they wouldn't tell Groucho Marx anything. And if there was something, like, if they knew, like, okay, this guy had 12 kids. So the producers knew. And what they would do is they'd have chalkboards and they'd tell, like, if, if Groucho wasn't going in the right direction to get those answers they wanted him to get, <laughs> they would, like, ask him about his kids, you know, behind the scenes no. to guide Groucho into, like, the so, funny answers. So they, they were counting on the political incorrectness, basically. They mm. were. They were. You know, they, like, were, they worry about the the censors later and they did what they would they're on youtube yeah they would put together like stag reels (laughs) of the things that definitely couldn't make it Mm -hmm. to air which was all just double entendres (laughs) of course and they put these stag reels together and play them at like the christmas parties of the times when like groucho went a little too far (laughs) but yeah like that it really was just the perfect showcase for him to just run wild. <laughs> so, there were five brothers. Yes. And I'll name them. <laughs> well, I, I want to see if I can. So there's Groucho, Chico, uh, Honk Harpo. 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 Yeah. <laughs> a black, uh, who's the people? How do I forget? And Gummo. Oh, okay. That was the one I didn't think you guys would get. I was impressed. And Zeppo. Zeppo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Zeppo. I, <laughs> fun fact. I actually know Gummo because that was actually a line in a in a one act that I did at Shawnee years ago. Hey, where, where I play a disgruntled librarian. Name all. Name the four Marx Brothers. Zeppo. Gummo. Everybody misses yeah. that. <laughs> and so Gummo was in the act. Originally, okay, and then the war happened. Okay, and somebody had to like somebody had to be sacrificed. Uh-huh. Um, it still exists today, but it's more so back then that it was implemented, where a mother during a draft could could fight to say, "Hey, I have so many sons." And I don't want to lose all. I don't want to risk losing all my sons. Mm. So the the draft would only take one or take two, uh, depending. So they sort of like sacrificed Gummo and said, "You're you're the least funny. <laughs> so you go to war, and the, the other four will, will just stay." <laughs> and Zeppo was the youngest, and according to the other three brothers, the funniest. But never got that opportunity. Oh, man. Because from what I understand, I don't know how, you know, I don't know the sources and everything. So you had the four brothers, and when they started to make movies, originally Paramount wanted there to be a straight man. They wanted a heartthrob. Oh, somebody to get the girl. Yeah. And it couldn't be Harpo, it couldn't be Groucho, and it couldn't be Chico, because they had their characters. Yeah. So Zeppo was relegated to be the straight man and to be like the heartthrob who gets the girl. And according to the other brothers, it really was a bit of a tragedy because he was very, very funny. And in their vaudeville acts, Zeppo's shtick was everything he'd say would rhyme. That was his shtick. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. It would have been cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. So... They sort of like robbed us of that, and there's one regret of the Marx Brothers that I have, which is in the 70s, Dick Cavett, who had Groucho on a lot, um, wanted to try to have Zeppo on. And Zeppo requested like a ridiculous amount of money. Oh, man. Oh. Probably because he really didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It was less of an ego and more of like, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. Some actors do that when they're yeah. trying to turn down a role. Instead yeah. of just turning it down outright, they say, yeah. uh, I want a ridiculous yeah. amount of money. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they never, they never, there's like no, like there's no interview with Zeppo. There's like nothing. And and 
to add an extra little like thorn to the story is that as Dick Cavett was speaking with Zeppo over the phone, Zeppo says to him, he goes, oh, I got Marx Brothers stories that no one's ever heard, but too bad. You know, like, <laughs> oh. he, he tantalizes them. I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. Uh, so that was, that was interesting. But, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, just uh, one team that uh, we forgot to mention that I went to bring, uh, Martin and Lewis. Because uh, 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 they relied a lot on that, uh, uh, on the old, uh, you know, handsome guy who sang the song, got the girl. And uh, yeah. tell the joke, and you know, right. when, when you said about uh, his, uh, uh, him being uh, Gumbo being the, the heartthrob, yeah. Zeppo, yeah, Zeppo, yeah. Zeppo being the heartthrob. Yeah. No, it is the same dynamic. Yeah. So like, from the Marx Brothers, so you you brought it up perfectly. So yeah, Groucho, and I feel like Harpo too pushed the limits of what now is political correctness. Yeah. Groucho with his 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 one liners. And the fact that in, in just about every Marx Brothers movie, Harpo is literally chasing a girl. Yeah. And um, he doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets her, because he never catches her. <laughs> but we can imagine. So, <laughs> so um, naturally, a lot of political correctness has seeped into comedy. As of 2020, there are a lot of comedians being canceled just for their material. Comedians like Jerry Seinfeld are being shunned out of colleges based on their material. Mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld being shunned for his material. (laughs) The the guy who is... is The safest comedian. Exactly. You, You can't get much safer than Jerry Seinfeld, folks. Right. So, with all that said, um, in your guys' opinion, I know my opinion. So, f- for you guys, what what are you, what do you think about political correctness and comedy? Where do you guys see as artists and got people involved in film and st- students of comedy? Where do you feel like the line is? And now, have we gone too far? Okay. <laughs> I think, I don't think it's necessarily that we've gone too far. I think it's that intention is being misconstrued. Okay. So, just for example, since you mentioned Martin, the Dean Martin celebrity roast is rife with jokes that would not fly today. Like, like, you will never find a show today where you could have Foster Brooks come on to roast Muhammad Ali and say... Uh, I was uh, Muhammad's trainer, and when I first met him, he was white. Because when I turn a man into a world-class athlete, I go all the way. <laughs> it's like, now, well, you that, could all, like, just to, don't lose your thought, but um, the roast of Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. Where um, Milton Berle says, he goes out and goes, when Sammy Davis was a boy, he w- he was rocked to sleep in a hollowed out watermelon. You know. Well, a- anything that those guys did, uh, well, their their Vegas act, uh, Sinatra, Martin, and yeah, uh, and Davis, uh, Davis, yeah, they uh, that that's that's one of the thing that was one of their biggest things. At one point, you know, D. Martin would put Sammy Davis in his junior and say, "We got a present uh, here from the double N double uh, A N C P." Now. The reason those jokes flew back then is right. that people understood the intention. They weren't actually, you know, like Foster Brooks, for example, right. wasn't actually saying you have to be black to be a world-class athlete. He was mocking the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and today, the problem with so many young viewers who are canceling even the safest comedians is right. that they don't get that. They think that they're enforcing the stereotype instead of mocking it. They think they're joking. Oh yeah, it's it's true. You have to be black to be a world class comedian. It's like no, or to be a world class athlete rather. And it's like no. So I think the intention has been lost in translation. People are so sensitive. People are so. Uh, people want to be offended because these days the easiest way to get impact to feel empowered is to say 
this offends me or that offends right. me and, and then everybody has to cater to your fragile little needs right so if people would just if if the whole world and again this is all subjective just my opinion but mm. i think if people who watch comedy in general would weren't would learn to loosen up and look past the surface level interpretation of oh he's making fun of black people or oh, he's making fun of white people no, I think they're making fun of the stereotype. Oh, that's actually kind of funny. I appreciate that. Continue. Mm, yeah. I think we could get away with more political incorrectness and it could go back to being the norm and we would have better comedy in general. Yeah. Because uh, 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 comedy, uh, that, that should be our, that should be a safe zone. Yeah. Yes. So, excuse me, the, you know, if I can use that expression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, comedy is how is how we cope with pain. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, when all this you know stuff is going on in the world, you know, what do I do? I, I turn on a comedy. Yes. Uh, what to you know to cheer myself up? You know. Uh, you know you know, you know a perfect example of that. Do you know why? Uh, do you know what was the highest grossing movie the year that JFK was assassinated? It's well, a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, yeah. Everybody rushed to the theater to see that comedy be, right. to, yeah. to, just to get over yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, movies in general have that power, but comedies yeah. especially. I mean, you know, when my grandparents passed away, well, mm -hmm. what, what did I do? Uh, you know, it might not have been the most, you know, you know uh, therapeutic, or most, but I, I watched, you know, comedy movies. I... Uh, I yeah, you know, I, I watch the movies that I would watch with them. That's my, when when my mother passed, I got into Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Now, at the time, you know, your mind and your soul just leads you places sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I did. I had like, I really didn't go like I want to watch a new comedy thing. Mm -hmm. No, but like, like I said, like it leads you places, and so I completely understand. Mm -hmm. You know, I ended up. Finding a new show and loving it, mm -hmm. you know, and it inadvertently mm -hmm. was taking my mind off emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And that's another show that would be very non-politically correct. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think that if you go back to think about vaudeville, mm -hmm. now, Andrew and, and you know, Italian, <laughs> okay, I have a little Italian in me, <laughs> so... By today's standards, you should be offended by Chico Marx. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if we were to split it up. So if we go back to Vaudeville, everybody was being made fun of. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, they they the, made fun of the, the uh, Irish, the Italians. Yeah, uh, everybody, they took the stereotypes and, and they turned them on their head. Yeah. No? Uh, uh, you know? You can say, you know, you know the, the Irish drink and fight. You know the the, yeah. the Italians uh, cook uh, uh, cook and have uh, marry beautiful women. Right. Uh, 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 and crime. Crime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are connected to the mafia. Jewish yeah. uh, people are cheap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every white every white every white bald person's a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And just so you know, guys, the when you leave the water, two dollars. <laughs> 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 I rest my case. <laughs> Polish people are stupid. <laughs> Where are we again? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they say the Italians too. Italians. Yeah. Well, my favorite. All right, let's just go there. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? Somebody told me this joke, and it killed me. And it's so simple. Which is what's the difference between the Italians and the Jews? The only difference is better shoes. Alright, let me go one more. Yeah, well, sure, yes, please. This, this is a true story. Oh. Oh. But um, somebody said this to me, and I, I, I let them go. Because I really want to. Maybe we'll cut this out. I don't know. <laughs> but I got to say it now. So, um, uh, let's see, I'll keep the memes out to protect the innocent. <laughs> An older lady was once, I was sitting at a table with her, and we were talking, and she got on the topic of Jewish people. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> let's see, and I didn't say nothing. Uh, 
let her go. And she she threw a line at me that like is I think is gold. Uh, and I don't know where she got it. Uh, but she looked she put she was cutting string beans at the time. <laughs> Whether she had like I don't know if, if you experience the old some a lot of old Italian women they'd grow their thumbnail long, they'd cut the string beans. She was uh, my grandmother did it. Uh, and it's like you feed the string bean through your hand. And you, uh, she's put the string bean down, and she goes, "I'm gonna tell you." She goes, "The Jews, they pinch it a penny so hard, head and tails end up on the same side." <laughs> 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 that is gold. Oh wow! I'm like wow, that's terrible. But it's funny. <laughs> okay, I got one for you. Okay. <laughs> so unfortunately, the people listening to this podcast can't see my face, but I, I have a pretty big nose. They've turned it off by now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I have, again, not mentioning names in order to protect the innocent. Mm-hmm. I was once in a community theater production where another actor who I didn't know quite as well at the time asked me if I was Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell him, no, I, I, I was born and raised Christian. But I, after, And he was pretty embarrassed after he asked. I was like, it's the nose, isn't it? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got one like that. Uh, uh, I, again, not mentioning any names. Uh, a person that uh, I, I, we may all know uh, asked me if I was uh, Samoan. Okay. And, and, uh, that's like very. That's like unique. Uh, that's a curveball. Uh, and I, I was just like, like it, uh, I, I said to somebody like, it's because of my size and my tan skin. And I said, yep. Mm. <laughs> wow, that, that's like that's unique though. Like, yeah, that's, that al- that's almost a compliment. Uh, <laughs> wow. a, I, I don't have curly hair. <laughs> you should have been like, oh yeah, me and Dwight Johnson, we're yeah. we're homies. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're, we're like yes, all yeah. the Samoans, we all know yeah, each other. Yeah, we're all you know, big family. <laughs> uh, Yokozuna and Akishi. Yeah. <laughs> what was the um? What was that kids' movie? With this, with the, it was a little girl who controlled the water. Oh, uh, Moana. No, and there was like a big guy. Big oh yeah, Dwayne Johnson playing uh, Maui, the demi god. Yeah. Yes. No, next time. Uh, say, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was, I was the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they just gave him longer hair. Yeah, they just gave him longer it's hair. Me. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. Like you watch that movie. Like, yeah. I had a gig. I gave them my life rights. Yeah, just, <laughs> uh, uh, just, just put, you know, just put me in a grass skirt and. Yeah. Uh, 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 At least they didn't ask. Uh, here we go. At least they didn't ask you. Aren't you the guy who sings somewhere over the rainbow? <laughs> oh, that guy. Then, no. then yeah, then then yeah. they deserve a smack. Yeah, then you give them a smack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I only said it because I'm not in arm's length. <laughs> so yeah, we've completely devolved <laughs> from all the intellectual things we were talking about. Uh, and if we uh, want to go back to you know, uh, uh, all those great uh, comedy teams, comedians, and things like that, yeah, it's uh, just a side note. Uh, for you know, just you know, for our people, you know, I know we all know this, but yeah. you know, they're you know, they provided humor for millions of people, they made you know, millions of movies and shorts and things like that. Mm-hmm. They were paid horribly. I mean, uh, yeah. at, at the end of it, I mean, Abbott and Costello were, I they uh, the IRS just destroyed them. Yeah, uh, which, which was one of the reasons they split. Yeah, uh, because that's the only way they could get, get make money because they couldn't make money as a uh, as a team, or they couldn't afford to uh, stay together. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Three Stooges. I mean, they uh, yeah, they had they made so many more movies, but they 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 were only paid. You know, it might sound like a lot of money, uh, uh, you know, twenty thousand dollars a piece, but you know, for all the stuff that they did, for you know all the 
uh, all the theater performances, all the all the shorts. You know, they were only paid you know tw- uh, twenty grand a year. Yeah. And then uh, they weren't. Uh, then they got uh, gypped out of when they started, you know, streaming there. Yeah. So I think what you're saying, and I, I feel the same way, is that over time, comedy hasn't been taken seriously. Mm. Yeah. To yes. like to use some weird words together. Yeah. But you know, it always just was a little bit more of a throwaway mm. and. The drama, mm, Humphrey yeah. Bogart, yeah. that elk, they got the credit and 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 the the riches, yeah, in more ways than one, and and the what's the the recognition? Yes, exactly. And whereas comedians didn't get it as much. No, you know, Buster Keaton ended up in the '60s in like um, beatnik beach movies. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen, but he was just like those '60s mm-hmm. beach beach party movies that were just like bathing suit movies really yeah and they throw an old has been quote unquote mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. and they so Buster Keaton was in a lot of those movies and he would talk and you just go like oh mm-hmm. cause like a lot of these guys Harpo included their voice ruined the act yeah yeah you know I, I heard the story about Harpo that they that he had, he originally talked during the act and a critic destroyed him saying oh, the act was great until he spoke. And yeah. So, so he he made that part of his act. He just didn't talk. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, Although there was another uh, alleged reason. I don't know if you heard about the, the, the story of the fire. The fire. Oh, okay. So th- th- this was... So one was the story was the critic, but the other one, I don't know if this actually happened, but supposedly... You know, when they were working in vaudeville, they were working with this one really crooked theater manager who kept postponing um, and procrastinating, actually paying them what he owed them. And finally, just as they were about to catch their train, he finally paid them their salary in pennies, nickels and dimes. And they didn't have to, you know, because they had to catch the train, they didn't have time to go to the bank to change it for dollars. So they had to lug these huge bags of coins to the train. And as they were leaving... Harpo turned around and yelled, "I hope your theater burns to the ground." And that night, it did it, to the ground. Yeah. So from that point on, Groucho said, "From that point on, Harpo's voice is the fire axe that you keep in the back of the theater <laughs> to be used only in case of emergency." I have not heard that one. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I've, I've heard stories like that before, but uh, uh, I I never heard that one specifically. Yeah. Wow. So in close, well, in closing, the, to wrap up this episode, I like um, let's do our recommendations deal. Yeah. Um, throw some throw some comedy movies at everybody. Okay. Um, I'll start with my all time personal favorite comedy is Blake Edwards' The Great Race. Uh, Blake Edwards is I think my favorite comedy director of all time. He did the Pink Panther movies, uh, What Did You Do in the War, Daddy, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and so on. But uh, The Great Race, to me, is probably the closest you'll get to a live-action feature-length Looney Tune cartoon. If you think of Tony Curtis's character, The Great Leslie, as a sort of hybrid of Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner, that he's perfect, flawless, leading man. And then you have the villain, Professor Fate, played to perfection by Jack Lemmon, whose character is basically a hybrid of Daffy Duck and Wile E. Coyote, always playing second fiddle to the hero who's dressed in white. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you have Natalie Wood, who turned everything she touched into gold. Peter Falk, who... Oddly enough, in real life, didn't think he was funny, but was actually hilarious. Uh, hilarious score by Henry Mancini. Some great slapstick comedy. Some unapologetic slapstick comedy. And probably the most undeserved Oscar win for best sound mixing ever. Because all the sounds <laughs> were, because it's a Warner Brothers movie, were ripped straight from Looney Tune cartoons. Mm-hmm. And they... Don't sound the least bit convincing, but it just makes all the slapstick comedy that much funnier. It's just a movie about these two uh, rival daredevil stuntmen in a car race in the early 1900s from New York to Paris and all the countries that they stopped along the way. There's plenty of politically incorrect humor, I'm sure, especially with mocking stereotypes of the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, And Jack Lemmon especially is 
one of my favorite all, in that movie as Professor Fate is one of my all-time favorite characters of any movie ever and certainly one of the best villains. So, Blake Edwards, The Great Race. Look it up. Okay, nice. Andrew? Uh, I'm going to go with one that uh, I feel it's uh, very underrated. Uh, and, um, the, this is one, everybody, where you have to ignore all the Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. Um, it's called Father's Day with uh, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Okay. Uh, two comedic geniuses, you know, uh, uh, who just, it, it was one of their, you know, they were, uh, they worked together on the stage. They, they did a lot of uh, stage work for uh, uh, charities and things like that with Whoopi Goldberg. But okay. this was the first movie, and I think the only movie they ever did together. Uh, you know, uh, and you have Billy Crystal's great uh, dry humor. He, he's the as a straight man. You have Robin Williams in his uh, zaniness, and they just both even each other out. The story is about they're both told that uh, they have a son that they've never. Uh, heard about the, this woman comes to both of them. I can't think of the actress's name, but uh, she uh, uh, goes to Billy Crystal and says, uh, "You have a son. He's 17 years old, and he's lost uh, somewhere in San Francisco following a rock band. And I need you to find him." And uh, and he's you know, and Billy Crystal, you know, his and then uh, he his uh, character is a lawyer. You know, he's very uh, serious, and uh, you know, and he's very skeptical. Then you have Robin Williams, this character, uh, who uh, is a failed writer, and uh, this is actually kind of sad saying this, but his character is about to commit suicide. Okay. Uh, and then he gets a call from this woman. He has a gun in his mouth. He, uh, he's and he's just like, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he's just like, how are you? Well, me, I'm not bad. Uh, <laughs> and he t- and he's just like, oh, I have a son, yay! Mm-hmm. You know, so they're both on different uh, levels. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, Ramos was just, oh, I have to find him. Uh, you know, Billy Crystal, you know, maybe. Yeah. But then also they have that sense of responsibility, and then they meet up and they just work together so well. And it's uh, that's why I consider it underrated because it's one of the only times you get to see them act together, and they were such best friends, and you can see that in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, they really were friends in real life, and uh, you know, and uh, like I like I said, you have to ignore the because I think it has like a zero rating or something, mm-hmm. but but it's one of those movies that you just watch just and you just laugh, you know, you see the and because it's two friends. Just, just trying to make each other laugh. You know, uh, and it's they both work well to, together, and you know, yeah, the story is a little off the rail, but I, I, I I'm suggesting it, I'm recommending it, uh, strictly just to see Billy Crystal and Robin Williams work right. together. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Isaac, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I must say, it's the party again would probably be the um. The only comedy I've watched in quite a while, so yeah, I would recommend giving that a listen. It's pretty good, just uh, Peter Sellers running around, <laughs> making hell for all the uh, hoity-toity Hollywood types. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, yeah. It's definitely a gem of the, uh, the 70s or whatever that era. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, give it a watch. It's cool. So I'm, I've been sitting here thinking about which way I'm going to go, and I'm going to stick with my original plan. Of going with 1968 movie Skidoo with Jackie Gleason, Groucho Marx, Carol Channing, and um, Mickey Rooney, and a whole bunch of other people. Um, in a nutshell, Jackie Gleason is a, is a retired gangster who gets pulled into one more, one more, one more thing um, on a ship, and it's a prison ship. So Jackie Gleason has to go undercover on a prison ship. Run by God, who's played by Groucho Marx, and um, oh my God, that concept alone is yeah, awesome. Would, and um, yeah. if that isn't enough, you get uh, Frankie Avalon is also in it, and you get a very titillating yet disturbing Carol Channing strip scene. 
<laughs> because why not? <laughs> um, the soundtrack is great. Um, I think it's Harry Nielsen or Henry Nielsen who did a lot of soundtracks back then. And um, it's a very strange movie. And I think it might also be on YouTube for folks to check it out there for free. Other than that, it might be hard to find. But I think it's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. But yes, Skadoo, 1968. Thank you guys for coming on this episode and talking comedy. Of course. And I look forward to having you on again soon. (laughs) Whatever that is. Whatever whatever that may be. Wherever you want us, we'll be here. All right, thank you guys again. Catch you next time. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. Thank you again for Luke, Andrew, and Isaac for being on this show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. You can find this episode and more on all major podcast platforms and YouTube with video. Next episode is going to be a guest who's just as good, so don't miss it. And um, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else. Be well. Enjoy yourself.